0: This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Podcast Bookers, podcastbookers.com. Podcasts are really hot, right? But you know what's also really hot? Appearing as a guest on one of the many, many podcasts out there. Think about it. Much easier than writing a guest blog post You get some high-quality content. You get great backlinks. People want to share that content. Maybe you can even transcribe that content. Being a guest on podcasts, getting yourself booked on podcasts, is a really, really great SEO tactic, great brand-building tactic. Podcast Bookers can get you booked on two to three to four podcasts every single month on autopilot. Go check it out, podcastbookers.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. My guest today is Carrie Kirpin. She is the co-founder and CEO of Likable Media and the author of "Work It: Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business." So, Carrie, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you so much, John. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I have had your spouse on before, so I think this I might know. be the, this might be the first couple.
1: Are we really, are we the first couple?
0: Might be, actually. I'd have to think about that. I might've had some couples on simultaneously, but never like separate shows with separate books. So that's awesome.
1: That makes us very happy. We we often aspire to be the first couple on things separately. And it is a very strange goal, but we do, we really do enjoy that. So I, I will take that back to him.
0: Check that one off today. All right. So this is going to sound like a smart out question, but I wonder if you would define bold.
1: It's really Interesting that you asked that because there was a very big debate over uh, the title, the subtitle in particular. I, I define bold as women who appear to be fearless and push forward in spite of the fact that they actually are feeling all of the feelings. Like we feel all the things and yet we do it anyway and push forward. We're risk takers. We are trailblazers. We push to succeed in the very best. Originally, the subtitle, by the way, was Secrets for Success from Badass Women in Business. I really was not, I was not feeling that badass was my brand. Even though badass definitely sells books, I, I felt that we weren't badass. We were bold.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you probably should have just gone with like the three-hour work week or something that might work.
1: <laughs> Done. Just cut it, a, cut it an hour even shorter. Done. So
0: since you brought it up meaning that you have women in the title. Um, I'm yeah. going to ask you to explain the difference between men and women. Doesn't that sound fun? Um yeah. <laughs> So, you know, there's this whole, you're supposed to be very professional, but then you're tamping down what actually is a strength maybe because your passion and craziness and intuition is, you know, not always seen as professional. So how do you balance those?
1: Well, I think that it's very challenging for women who have been taught for most of their lives to succeed in business, they must work the way a man would, right? Where in reality being ourselves and figuring out how to use that to our advantage helps us so much more. Women in general um, have had a very hard time moving beyond the competence factor. We focus on being the best and knowing the most uh, of what we can about a particular subject or profession. And yet what we need to focus on is a little bit more of what men have been focusing on, which is the confidence factor. So having just as much confidence is as important as having the amount of competence that you have.
0: Yeah, and and it's interesting in some of the interviews that you have in the book. I know some of the women that you interviewed, um, at least professionally, if not personally. And I would say that there certainly are a few in there that could go toe to toe in the professional and boldness uh, with any man.
1: Oh, you bet, you bet they can. It's just, the the whole. Concept of the book is to show how many different women did it because there's there's no real one approach as a woman. It's not like, here's the woman's guide to working in the workplace. It's just, many different women have many different approaches. And the idea is that you read the book, something inspires you. You see one woman and you're like, wow, she's my spirit animal. I want to be like her. And she gives you the tips that you need to succeed.
0: Yeah, I was very disappointed the cover wasn't pink, but I guess that was a <laughs> choice that somebody made somewhere. Else.
1: Correct. No pinking and shrinking <laughs> over here.
0: Um, One of the chapters, and I always bristle when I read these because I think people misinterpret this. Everybody, a lot of entrepreneurs, it's very common to talk about this idea of you have to fail and experience failure and fail fast and all these things. And I think failing is stupid. So Ah! so tell me why you think it's important.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you one thing. If you think about, uh, you know, one of the women featured in my book, Reshma Sojani, uh, she gave a great TED Talk that says, we teach our boys to be brave and we teach women, our girls, to be perfect. Women are taught to not fail at all costs. You, John, if you fail, I'm sure you never do. But if you do, you pick right back up and you move on. And that's what you do. But because we are so wired and taught from such an early age to seek perfection, we don't let it happen. We keep going until it absolutely implodes. And so the idea being, get comfortable with saying, hey, you know, this was an interesting idea. But you know what? No, it didn't work. Get comfortable with the confidence to say, "Meh, this didn't work. I'm going to try something else. And I think that's what it's about. It's not that you have to love failure. It's just that you have to lose the fear of failure. It sucks. Of course, it sucks. But you have to lose the fear in order to truly succeed.
0: Yeah, I think I think the difference. I don't know if this is universal. But the difference for me is I don't see stuff as failures. So right. That's why I don't think it that way. You know
1: why, John? Because you have a lot of confidence. <laughs> and so for women, they see anything that they do that's not perfect as a failure quite often. And so it takes a lot of evolution. It takes a lot of thinking and a lot of examining yourself to do that. It's, it's hardwired from birth.
0: Well, I have four daughters and I can tell you yeah. that uh, they, were, they, they were never taught to be perfect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> good. Good. I hope so. Certainly not from you. But if you look at advertising and you look at a lot of what's out there, there's there's so much telling us that we are not enough. And so you may or may not realize, but I'm very happy that you're teaching that at home.
0: So, well, I've, I'm done. You know, they're in their they're in their 30s. So I did, oh, I, I did everything I could up, do. Girl. <laughs> um, one of the things that was interesting, because, of course, we're talking about these ideas of. And this part, this, well, this dovetails, I hadn't really thought of it, dovetails right into the perfect idea, but you have a whole chapter on loving your look as part of, you know, being, being a bold woman. So tell me about that.
1: So first impressions are very important. And it's not just first impressions of others seeing you. It's what your impression of yourself is before you walk out the door. I mean, you want to feel good about what you're wearing and, and that's okay. If it's not, it doesn't mean that you have to be like in a, a gorgeous Chanel suit every day. In fact, if you look at the cover of my book, it's a bunch of women walking forward in outfits that they feel comfortable in wearing to work. When I was first presented a cover, it was all women in in sort of pencil skirts and, and professional attire. And what I wanted to show was that in order to feel comfortable with your look and good about what you're wearing, you want to wear things that feel most authentically like you. And so really, it's about discovering your own style and being comfortable in that style. You don't want to think about what you're wearing when you're in an interview or a conversation. You want to just be present. And in order to be present, you have to feel good and comfortable about what you're wearing.
0: Yeah, that's probably um, a a huge factor in confidence. Once you find that you don't I don't mean you don't care what you're wearing, but that you are comfortable with what you're wearing and not worried about, does this fit in here? Then that's a piece of the confidence puzzle, isn't it?
1: it feels totally natural and you're not thinking about it. Whereas, you know, I had a story in the book where I had a, somebody pop in to likeable media and ask me a bunch of questions and I just felt totally off. And the reason I was off was that I was about to leave the next, uh, that night actually for Paris with my family. And I had worn my yoga pants to work and uh, my hair in a messy bun. And, you know, I saw them and I I found myself questioning everything I was saying and wondering why. And of course it was the yoga pants and messy bun that were making me feel that way.
0: So, I talked about my daughter so family is definitely a topic I think that is not only a part of the book but has to be a part of this conversation and I will say that that that's got to be I think the toughest thing for a lot of women entrepreneurs is that in many cases not in all um, you know they may be have more of the burden of of raising children or yeah. paying attention to what's going on with, with the children. I know my, you know, my wife, uh, we made the decision after our second child was born, she was going to stay home and raise the kids. Um, but she is, and I've had my business ever since then. And it, she is probably my most important employee, even though she doesn't get paid, <laughs> you know, yeah. because she allowed me to really do a lot of what uh, this business uh, looked like it needed. Uh, but a lot of women don't, have that situation and they're balancing it all. And I've got to believe that that is probably the greatest amount of stress.
1: Oh, it's definitely the greatest amount of stress. Most women entrepreneurs start their businesses because they're looking for freedom of time. This is where a lot of the um, MLM stuff comes from, right? Like you're home with the baby and you want to start something, you want to fill, fill your fulfill your career, but you need control over your own time. A lot of times that's how entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs get started. And then what happens is the businesses take off and you find yourself without any time. And that's very, very stressful. It's all about Uh, the concept, really dispelling the myth that women can have it all. We really, we well, we can have it all, but we can't have it all at the same time. You're never perfect at everything at the same time. And so understanding that and forgiving yourself in that process will really, really help you. I spoke to Cass Lazaro, uh, who built and sold Buddy Media with her husband, Mike, for over $400 million. And she said, you know, yes. Did I have it all? Yes. But not at the same time. I sacrificed a lot when I was building the company. And now I'm spending a lot of time with my kids. And it's really the the balancing act is just that it's an act. And it's very, very challenging to do. So it's it's one of the hardest parts that we have to deal with as women.
0: And I'm You you know, I'm sure that this perfection thing comes into that, too, because then then it's like, well, I'm not you know, I'm not I'm not cleaning the baby bottles well enough, you know, know, or whatever.
1: Yeah, we there's, there's all kinds of research on this that, you know, our brains are well, we, we're thinking about not just like raising kids, but like, oh, did I change the toilet paper roll today? You know, it's every little thing that we think of that men, you know, the men have definitely uh, become a much greater stakeholders in the home and all of this stuff over time. Uh, but it's still women thinking about a lot of the little things that are creeping into their workplace in the day.
0: So so. Let's get personal. How do you and Dave manage this because uh, you you work with I'm not sure we even mentioned it but for those who don't know, um, <laughs> the other founder of Likeable Media is uh, Dave Kirpin. Um and so and you have small children, so yes. ha- have you guys figured out ways to manage
1: you bet. I mean, we we figured out ways to manage, but we still we still still do screw up. You know, it's not it's not perfect. But this these are some of the things we do. Um, we believe that both in our business and in our marriage, that having separate roles and specific um you know, kind of assigned duties works really well. When we started Likeable Media, Dave was the visionary and the leader and the CEO and I was the operator. And the same thing at home. Actually, Dave does a lot of the things that a lot of women do. He does a lot of the uh, school stuff. He goes and does all the school visits. He is majorly like an advocate for them in school and even serves on the school board. And I do, you know, a lot of the home stuff. I make sure the house is organized and neat and clean and dinner. Uh, and we also have great help. You know, we have when we had our third baby... Uh, who's now two and a half. We have a 14-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a a two-and-a-half-year-old because we're totally out of our minds. Uh, We brought a nanny on board to help us, and that was really great too. Um, So having good help and really smart division of labor.
0: Well, it doesn't hurt that Dave's like an Energizer bunny.
1: Oh, yes, that's true. He, and also, he's a highly evolved man. You know, he does a lot of things that are are not so typically typically male. He really um, he's fantastic. I can I can honestly say we are 50 50 partner in all things.
0: We I, I can honestly say we hugged it out the last time I saw him. So oh,
1: see, he's a sensitive <laughs> man. Yeah. I love it.
0: So in the book, you you base the book on a lot of interviews. Um, yes, I, and I always love to do this. What was your favorite interview?
1: Oh! Oh, I've gotten this question so many times. <laughs> um, okay. What was my favorite? Oh,
0: you're going to have a couple.
1: Okay. Um, I love Talisa Yancey, who is the CMO of American Family Insurance, and she's an Ebony Power 100 winner. I loved her story about how she took I liked anything that was counterintuitive. She took a step down in her career. Uh, she went to a manager-level position, manager level position at an insurance company. When in fact, she was originally working at companies like Ford and Burger King, very, very like big, sexy companies. And she took a step down because she felt the urge and desire to work in an area that helped people and help people ideally save save lives. And so she went to insurance and then grew within three years to the CMO position. So I loved how that step downward really propelled her forward in a beautiful way. I love the story of Victoria Ransom, who, worked, who lived in a town with like 750 people, was a sheep herder in New Zealand. And then went on to start Wildfire, which was one of the largest technology companies acquired by Google uh, back in the time when Facebook pages were really a big thing. Um, I I liked interviews with women. Obviously, interviewing Charles Sandberg was incredible, right? Like the big names I loved, but I also loved young women who were kind of just learning their first lessons in career. Uh, That was really incredible that women about what they wore or, or how they, how they got the latest promotion. It really, I I ran the gamut between super famous and, you know, five years into their career. And I felt like they all had something valuable to say.
0: One of the things that I, and I actually like this in books because sometimes I read books cover to cover. Sometimes I like just picking up a book and flipping somewhere and you have a lot of little tips yeah. Um, uh, from your interviews. And so why don't you, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but why don't you share three or four of your best tips?
1: Okay, one of my favorite tips that I love is using your mental mute button. I love this story from a young woman who's just about maybe eight years in her career and had learned how to negotiate for pay in the best way possible. And I actually use this now. I took this tip from her and I use it uh, in, in more instances than just negotiations. And it's use your mental mute button. She likes to put awkward conversations on other people by totally muting herself. So she would go into an interview and she would say, so what is the salary for this position? And the immediate Uh, tendency for a woman is just to start talking. Oh, I mean, I made this at this last job and I, I really deserve this and da da da. But just putting yourself totally on mute and just looking at them. And that puts the onus on them to have a really good response, puts the discomfort on them versus on you and learning to own and love that awkward by using your mental mute button was absolutely one of my favorites.
0: I I think that's actually a tip that's taught in just about every sales um, (laughs) um, training course because that that is what we're all guilty of is kind of talking ourselves out of a sale rather than kind of controlling the sale by saying nothing.
1: Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, so do you have any more? Let's see. I have a. I mean, I have a bunch. I think uh, the concept of abandoning the five-year plan that Brittany Hennessy, I spoke to, runs influence at, uh, at Hearst. She books influencers now. Talk about a crazy, crazy job, right? Uh, she books influencers, online influencers for print campaigns in Hearst media publications. So when she talked about her five-year plan, what she said was, gosh, my job didn't exist five years ago. And so having a five-year plan while sometimes a good idea really can limit you being open to new possibilities and viewing your uh, viewing your career kind of as a as a jungle gym versus a ladder. just one straight path up in a career is really interesting. She tried lots of different things to land where she was. And now it's the job of her dreams.
0: So you're saying the fact that I want to be a cashier in five years probably is not a good plan.
1: No, because cashiers probably won't even be there.
0: We won't. We'll, know, just, we'll walk into a store and it will just like zap our wallet. For oh whatever my God. Want. Yeah.
1: Well, we just went to the store on the snow day and we went to go get, I sent Dave to the store cause he got too few. So this is one thing about men. He went and he shopped and he got too few. He, I needed two cartons of eggs cause we were doing lots of baking. And so he only got one. So when, as soon as the roads were clear, I was like, you gotta go to the store and go get some eggs. And guess what? There were none of this, none of the um cashiers made it in. But of course, they had all of those auto attendant things, and so we were able to buy our eggs. And I was like, "This is the future, man! Yeah, Love it."
0: Absolutely. I want to get those eggs without having to go anywhere,
1: though. That's well. The future. You, well, you'll soon be able to do that. You <laughs> really can. But. Carrie,
0: where can people find more about Work It and uh, Likable Media, and anything else you want people to know about?
1: Okay, so all the places you can find out everything about me and work it. So first I'm Carrie C A R R I E K E R P E N Carrie Kirpin.com. You can go to WorkItTheBook.com to buy it. And of course, if you're interested in our company, likable, you can go to likable.com. We create social media content for brands everywhere.
0: And of course, we'll have all those links in the show notes. So, Carrie, congratulations on the book. And thanks thanks so much for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. And hopefully, we'll see you next time I'm in New York.
1: You bet. You're the best.